something I need to be doing right now. As you're making and Mary got it. Oh, she got it all right. She sang. She wasn't singing, she was singing. You know the difference, right? I mean, this was coming from a deep place of, a, of incredible, like, joy. Not tied to circumstances in her life other than the greatest circumstance of all, the baby in her womb that she would deliver, that would then one day deliver her. Oh, no, she was singing. But she saw what God was and I want us to be thinking about that this morning because I want us to be a sangin people. I want us to sing with great joy because of the good news of what God has done. When we are gathered together, we should never, ever, on a Sunday morning, murmur and mumble our way through a song. I don't care how tone deaf we might be or how beautiful it made all sounds. We have incredible reasons to always be singing because we have good news. And because God sends good news, you and I, ordinary people, we can sing with great joy. We can sing with great joy. Singing is not a silly thing. You were made for it. You were made for it. Your heart was made for it. And God rescues you so you can do what you were made for. So follow this along. Good news leads to great joy. And great joy sings. Great joy sings. So I want us to consider that as we look at Mary's song. We're going to consider three aspects of that. Why we sing, delve into that a little further, how we sing, and when we sing. How, or why, how, and when. So why we sing. Look back with me at Mary's song. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Why do we sing? We sing because the good news is worth the songs. The good of this news that we receive is worth all of the songs. It's worth all of the singing. What has long been promised, that has long been part of prophecy lore, that has been echoing through history from the pages of Genesis 3, has been the hope of salvation. And that hope of salvation is now here It is the advent of salvation. It is the re-arrival of God's saving purposes. Sin has fractured what we are designed to do, to worship God with our lives in a community with God. Sin's fractured that. It's brought wreckage to that. And now the one who would restore it is here. Not somebody like who will help us to have a greater understanding of the one who would come. No, it's the one who is to come, and he's here. And God is on the move to overcome the winter of our soul. We sing 
because we were made for worship. And the good news that leads to great joy and sees great joy singing, that good news is God restores us for worship. We could not do that on our own. We would never on our own want to worship God. Something radical has to happen. And that radical thing God does in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so we sing because the good news is worth all the songs. And when an angel burst into time and space and spoke with Mary, explaining what to, was to come, the incredible news, this good news of a Savior was announced. It means some profound things for us. That there will be no more ache from sin. The separation from God, the sinking shame of consequences, the gut-wrenching pain of condemnation, God was overcoming. Let me put it this way. If you were diagnosed with stage four cancer and it was everywhere in your body and there was nothing that could be done to do anything at all about it and you were leveled with that news and the next morning you woke up and there was not an, an evidence of any sort of cancer in your body anywhere, that'd be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? That'd be pretty radical, wouldn't it? That doesn't come close to how overwhelmingly good the good news is of Christ, of God in the flesh to rescue us from our sin, the fracture that we have experienced. There's, it's, it's, it still wouldn't be enough to convey the magnitude of what is accomplished in the person and work of Jesus Christ to overcome sin to overcome death, to overcome the devil, to overcome it all, for all of his people, for all eternity. That there is this radical upheaval of what has been broken. And now it is being restored. I don't, I know for my own self, I know that there are times where I don't, I don't, I don't get the magnitude of that. I've sort of cheapened the severity of sin, and therefore cheapen the severity, the severity, the good severity of grace. If I make sin small, grace is small. But when I see that sin has fractured my relationship from God for all eternity, apart from His grace, and that I am actively rebelling against Him in my thoughts, and my words, and my deeds, and my attitudes, my motives, my very existence is in opposition to God, and that. That doesn't like put him off, that he actually like fights through all of that, and he cuts to the heart of my heart, and he brings the Holy Spirit to bring a spotlight onto my soul, and it shows me my need, and therefore my need for Christ. I don't think we will ever overstate the significance of what God has done. We sing because it is great. It is good news of salvation. And if your heart is far from God and you're sitting in here and you're hearing this, if your heart is hard because your life has been hard or harsh or there have been experiences that you've had, maybe in a church or outside of a church or just in the world, 
and it makes, you hard, it, makes it hard for you to trust, it makes you hard, hard for you to consider these things, I, I just want to implore to you that God has purposed and promised before he ever said, let light shine out of the darkness, that there would be a day in which he would come in the flesh to save sinners. He would come and rescue, rescue us from our brokenness before there was brokenness. Like he purposed that. And that all who hear this message, who hear this good news, who hear it and they transfer their trust from something, their control of their own lives or just whatever it is that our culture says is the good life and puts it on the person and work of Christ, the Bible says those you will be saved. Saved. This is amazing news. We sing because it is good news. Why do we sing? Because this good news brings a great joy and because great joy rejoices. When we apprehend Christ through faith and we understand who he is and what he has accomplished, it brings great joy into our lives and great joy rejoices. Note well again what Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Great joy rejoices. Joy that magnifies. The word magnifies, it's an expressive, declarative word. It's a loud word. It's a making something great word. When I was candidating here, there was a lot of like making great how awesome New England sports were, are, I guess, to me. It was loud. It was magnified. It was offensive. Making something great. When you see or experience something that's overwhelmingly awesome, you, you want to like express that, right? Why do we cheer when our, our, our athletes do incredible things, our musicians play incredible music? Why is it that we respond outwardly? Because you can't quite cap joy. You can't bottle it up. It, it, it comes out. It comes out. It is, it's not quiet, reflective, introspective. The Bible has plenty of passages for that, yes. But when we see joy rejoicing, it's great. It's loud. It's abundantly boasting aloud. And when, she, when Mary says, my soul rejoices, she's saying that word, the phraseology there, means to rejoice exceedingly. She's not humming She's singing because the joy is great. We sing because something profound has hit our hearts. And from the depth of our personhood comes forth a joy that cannot be capped off. And the reason why it can't be capped off is because the object of this joy has overcome the hard and harsh of our situations, our stigmas, our circumstances. And, and, and it's because the object of our joy is greater than our situations and our stigmas and our circumstances. The object of our joy is the person and work of Christ. He is greater than the hardships and the harshness and the sadness that we experience in this life. He overcomes those things. He overcame the grave. That is the object of our joy. 
and our joy is great because the object is great. And because that is all great, it cannot and will not be contained. It will come bursting out. Mary's heart is bursting out song. Because those 400 years of silence are no more. Because God is on the move. Because we have good news. That's why we sing. We sing because the news we have is so overwhelmingly, infinitely, eternally good. How do we sing? How do we sing then? Well, take note of the way that Mary goes about singing. We have the rejoicing response to good news, and there are four things I want to point out to us here in the rejoicing response to the good news that we see in Mary. So first, again, we've, we've read verse 46 and 47 a couple of times, but I want to read it again. Mary said, Mary sang, Mary sang, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. The first thing that we see about how she goes about singing is that it is personal for her. It is personal. My soul, my spirit, my Savior, Mary is personally and genuinely and truly responding the good news to her. That the son she will deliver will deliver her. This is a personal experience for Mary. This is a real-time personal worship experience for Mary. That God over the entire cosmos cares about individual people. And that he knows their names. That he knows every hair on their head. That he knows everything about them. How many days they have. He knows them. This is personal for her. God made Mary for worship. God made you for worship. You, like Mary, are also of humble estate. And get this, God has looked upon you and saved you. Stop and think about that for the moment. God is, quote unquote, running the cosmos. The heavens and the earth, all the things that we can and can't see. Yeah, he's in charge of all of that got a lot of things on his plate. His plate's pretty big. It's a pretty big platter. And he cares about very, very micro, tiny, individual people in a very deep, profound, eternal way. God didn't merely make salvation possible for you. He saved you. Think about the incarnation. God with us. God in the flesh. Jesus didn't set aside glory, put on humanity, suffered under the weight of sin, of fallen humanity, died in a noble death, naked, beaten, bloody, on a cross, so as to maybe, possibly provide salvation for someone. No, he died. For whom God loved. Rescue of people he knew by name. Your name. I know many of us in here feel alone, unknown, forgotten. God in the universe didn't forget you. Ephesians chapter 1. Incredible words. I want you to think deeply on these words. They're hard. The the theology here is tough because it, it goes beyond our limitations. But it is so incredibly profound in love 
God predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. In love, he came in the flesh according to the purpose of his will, to the to praise of his glorious grace. He did this to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. He did this overwhelmingly gracious thing for specific people that had names, not a nameless possibility. We sing because he loves us. And her song is one of a great personal response. My soul, my spirit, the deepest parts of me rejoice exceedingly in you, my Savior. We see her response is personal, and so must our singing be personal. We don't do it because that's just what you do at church. We do it because we cannot wait to do it. Second thing that we see about how we sing is that it is God-centered. Now we, we move from the initial mise that, uh, that Mary started her song with, and then it's just squarely centered on God. He has looked on my humble estate, he who is mighty has done great things. Holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him. He has shown strength with his arm. He scattered the proud. He has brought down the mighty. He exalted the humble. He fills the hungry and the rich. He sends away empty. He has helped the servant in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to his fathers. He fulfilled what he set out to do. It is squarely centered on God, who God is. He is the mighty Savior. What God does, great and wondrous things. She lists through these great things God does, all in fulfillment of with his promises and purposes revealed in the Old Testament. She's singing about God to God because he's that great. And yes, there's an aspect of her testimony in, the, in this song. Her testimony sets the context of her life, but it, it magnifies the context of God's character. So our lives are to be. We are not the center of the story or the song or the hero of our lives. God is. And God in the flesh is the center and the hero and worth all the songs. And Mary sees this and sings a song about the hero. God is your hero. May your songs be centered on the hero. Thirdly, how does she sing? She sings personally, she sings God-centeredly, and she sings biblically. Note that Mary, who most likely was probably illiterate, sang a song saturated with Scripture. If you were to look up all of these phrases and these turns in her song, you would find that she weaves through Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 12, 1 Samuel 2, 2 Samuel 7, Psalm 98, Isaiah 41, Micah 7. All these passages have shaped her song. She sings biblically. Her song, while being deeply personal, is shaped by the contours of God's word. She knows God's word. And her heart bursts out with joy 
because the words of the Old Testament were meeting their fulfillment in that baby in her womb. Can you imagine the profound wonder and hope and joy of that moment when you realize that this baby is going to fulfill all of God's promises and purposes that have been lifeline for you through hard, hard seasons? She sings biblically. How might that give you perspective on your own life, your own world, your own situation? Because that really does. Because that leads us to the fourth thing of how she sings and how we can sing. Not only is it personal, God-centered, biblical, but she sings aware. She sings aware. Now, what do I mean by that? Her song is fully aware. She sees and rejoices exceedingly in the hope of salvation. That is, her awareness of God's purposes and history are astonishing. And that God is fulfilling what he promised and purposed to do. That his big picture, eternal purposes are coming to fulfillment. She has a very aware grasp of the purpose of history. And therefore, having that big picture grasp of what God is doing in turn gives her awareness in her own story and context. Yes, her challenges in this life were going to be very hard. She was away from where she lived, pregnant and betrothed. I mean, it was a scandalous story in a small town. We don't have to have creative imaginations to fill in the spaces there. We don't have to imagine very hard what it would be like for her, or Joseph for that matter, who needed some angelic messenger to help him understand what was going on too. These were not going to be easy situations for them. Maybe for the rest of their lives. We don't know. Scripture's silent. Can't imagine that it would be very easy. The murmur and the gossip and the ugliness, chatter, 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 about this one son of Mary's. But her challenges in this life pale in comparison to the glory of seeing God fulfill what he promised to do. She sings aware. Aware of her own life, aware of what God is doing. She sings aware. The question I have for myself or us is in what ways do our circumstances eclipse the good news of great joy that we have? How have you let the things of your life, the hard and the harsh, as they may be, fog out your view of what God has done for you in Christ? And how might maybe singing aware equip you to face the hard and harsh of life, being a person who can rejoice in good news while clinging to a God who sustains? I want us to sing that way, personally, centered on God, Biblically and aware. We see that here in Mary's song. So when do we sing it? Why do we sing? Because we have good news of great joy and great, great joy sings. How do we sing? We sing personally. We sing centered on God. We sing biblically. We sing aware. So when do we sing? Two ways to put it. In all days and for all days. 
in all days kind of speaks to the quality of days, the kind of days that we have in all of them. And for all days speaks to the quantity of days, how many of them. We sing in all days, for all days. And we can sing in all days, the quality of days. We can sing in all kinds of days. Do you realize that? The good news that we have here in Christ, in God in the flesh, in Emmanuel, in God fulfilling his purposes, do you realize that it equips you to sing in all kinds of days? The hard ones, the harsh ones, the sad ones, the lonely ones, that you can sing, that you can sing in the ones in which you're exhausted, physically, emotionally, spiritually, spent. You can still sing. Why? Because the news that you have is good. It's great. It's infinite. It's eternal. We learned a song a few weeks back called All Must Be Well, and there's a line in that song that lands on my heart every single time I sing it, every time. Faith can sing through days of sorrow. That is a profound statement. Yes, it's poetic, but it is deeply profound. We can sing through all kinds of days because we know that the Nature of our days will one day be radically restored with no more aches and no more shame and no more sin and no more hurt and no more exhaustion, no more. And we can sing now because of this hopeful truth. Mary sang, even though she was a pregnant teen from a small town, not yet married, hiding with her cousin, she sang In a sad moment, a hard moment, she sang with joy exceedingly rich and full in all our days. We can also sing for all the days, the quantity of days. We can sing for all of them in this life and beyond. We can sing forever. In the last book of the Bible, we get a glimpse of glory. We get a glimpse of the very end. And what do we find there? Well, we find a lot of things. But one of the things that we find there is singing. Singing. Revelation 5. A couple of portions in that chapter. A glimpse into this glorious throne room where the lamb who was slain is now the king over all. In this picture of redeemed people and heavenly beings singing a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain and by your blood ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And they kept singing later that says, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And they kept singing. And later they said, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. They kept singing and they kept singing and they kept singing because he's worth all the songs. So we can sing through all the days The ones that are hard, the ones that are harsh, the ones that are overwhelming, we can still sing because we're singing about the one who we will be singing forever. So what we're doing forever, we get to do now. 
What we get to partake in for all eternity, we get to taste and participate now. And where you're singing in sad days or lonely days, hard days or overwhelming days, is you rejoicing in good news of great joy. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. All the days, all the kind, and for all time. So I want to say to you, closing, for all the weary, the worn down, the weak, you can sing. For all the lonely, the sad, the downcast, you can sing. For all the distracted, the bored, the anxious, you can sing. For all the unknown, the ignored, and the easily forgotten, you can sing. For all the sunk under the shame of sin, there is good news for you this day. You can sing. We can sing because we have good news of great joy, and that great joy will sing. God, we pray that you would do that work in our hearts. Lord, help us to know this in profound ways so that it, profound songs of praise would come up out of our souls. You are worthy of all the songs. You are worthy of all the praise. You are worthy of all the singing. May we be a people who can sing through all the days. God, help us to fix our heads, our hearts, on the object of our joy, person and work of Christ. And God, may we see in him one worthy of all the songs. May our life be a song. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.